is be, because that Jesus came because he loved his creation so much that he cared about a lost and dying world that was suffering from an epidemic that the Bible says is sin. And he realized that he was and is still today our only true hope. He took the ultimate venture, paid the ultimate sacrifice, and paid the price for, for your sin and my sin. And the weight of humanity was on his shoulders. Before we even realized that we needed help, before we were even born, he realized that, that he needed to take upon himself the payment for our sin my sin included and just as that song says that our response should be that we surrender to that which he he offers us and so if you have your bibles today we're going to look at the greatest venture you can turn to the book of philippians chapter 2 if you don't have a bible you can follow along on the screen in just a minute but paul's writing this letter he's writing this to the philippians in rome he's, he's thanking them for the support of his ministry and in the book of Philippians, we have so many wonderful scriptures that we quote today. Things like, he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. We have scriptures like, to live is Christ and to die is gain. We have the famous verse, I can do all things, the Bible says, through Christ who gives me strength. And we could talk about any of those verses. But today what I want to do is draw your attention to the centerpiece. Of this letter and I would submit to you that it's the centerpiece of the entire New Testament it should be the centerpiece of us here as believers at Access Church and it's in the book of Philippians chapter 2 beginning in verse 5 it says in your relationships so he's talking about relationships in your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. Say nothing. nothing. By taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being a found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. From this passage of scripture today, I want to draw your attention to three specific aspects of the gospel. The story of Jesus, the greatest venture ever known. It should be the message of our church. It should be the message as you as a believer. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, what I'm going to share to you with you today is your only hope, not only for this life on this earth, but for life to come. Three aspects of the gospel that we find specifically in this text, beginning in verses five through seven. The first piece that we see in this text is that Jesus went from heaven and came to this earth and we celebrate that today. It's important for you to realize from the outset of this message, from the beginning, that Jesus was, he is, and will always be God. The Bible says in, in the book of John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Another translation of the Bible says, 
that the word became flesh and moved into our neighborhood. That'd be a neat thing for Jesus to move into my neighborhood. But that God moved through the person of Jesus to this earth. And the word was Jesus. He was the son of God, but he was God the son as well. He has always been. Here at Access Church, we believe in the Trinity. God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That Jesus had ultimate existence. His appearance was of incredible beauty. He had radiant glory. His position was with God the Father in a place of perfect peace, a perfect place of rest, free from hurt and pain and the suffering that we see and the dangers of this life. He was the true object of all worship and praise. And yet in verse 6, it says this, that he did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. So in essence, Jesus didn't really need anything. He was worshipped. He was praised. Yet he didn't consider his equality something to be used selfishly to hold on to. He didn't think of himself, but he thought of one thing. You. Or two things, me. What are you grasping onto? What are you desperately hanging onto or clinging onto? Outside of a relationship with God. See, I believe that there are a lot of people that they feel like if they pursue a genuine, vibrant, real relationship with Jesus, that they have to give up everything that's fun, enjoyable, or pleasurable. But I found the opposite to be true. That the Bible costs you and I something. That we said earlier that our response is to surrender everything to God. But I found in my life that he never asks me to give up something that he doesn't already promise is in his word to replace with something far superior and so we surrender our lives to jesus we realize that he left heaven came to this earth he gave up the honor the privilege the position of heaven and he humbly came in the form of a man to this earth he emptied himself out he poured his life out for you and for me as he walked away from the privileges of heaven. Years ago, a reporter asked a successful job counselor that had placed thousands of people in their variety of careers, and, and he asked them the secret to his success, and here's what he responded with. He said, if you wanna find out what a real worker's like, don't give him responsibilities. He said, if you give somebody enough responsibilities and pay them enough money, they'll, they'll be able to get the job done at the end of the day. He said, but if you really want to find out what someone's like, give them privileges. He said, if you give someone privileges, they'll use their privileges to help others, to bless others, to build an organization. He said, that's how you find out who a real leader is. He says, the lesser person will use privileges to promote himself. And we see from Jesus, far from promoting himself, he comes to this earth. He leaves heaven, comes to this earth. And then in verse 7, says that he made himself Nothing. It's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, who got ready for church today? I mean, some of you guys, this is like, I hardly ever wear a tie. I made a joke and I'll say it here. I said, the next time you'll see a tie on me, somebody died. Okay. I just don't wear ties. But you know what? I got up for Easter and I said, you know what? It's a day that we need to dress up and look, you know, great. I'm not saying this is going to be a casual church where I'll be here like with a surfboard pulpit and shorts. But I'm just not a Thai person. Well, how many of you got up this morning, you looked in the mirror, and you're like, you know what? 
Maybe I'll just look like nothing today. I mean, I just don't, just fit in, blend in, don't need to, just, just, who makes themselves nothing? Could you imagine the international student that moves from a foreign country and comes to our community or somebody that leaves the West Coast and moves here to State College? And they sit across the table from a professor and the professor saying, you know, what do you want to do? What major would you like to select? And they say, well, I don't know. Well, you came here to study. What do you want to pursue? What are you passionate about? Well, something insignificant. Just want to blend in. Just want to fit in. Maybe I'll just amount to nothing. <laughs> How about a slave? How about a servant? Could you imagine the look on that professor's face? He'd say, are you absurd? You left all of your, your things. You came to central Pennsylvania. You left that foreign nation to come to Penn State to study, to become a servant, nothing. The gospel is so countercultural to absolutely everything that our culture will tell us to be and to do. We're supposed to live the American dream. We're supposed to climb the ladder of success to, to turn ourselves into something, to be noticed, to be respected, to, to be someone, not to become nothing. Jesus could have come as a ruler, an emperor, a king. But he chose the lowest form of humanity, that of, the Bible talks, the, the original word is a bond slave. That he came and made a conscious choice not to be served. Gosh, we love to be served. That's why people go on cruises. That's why people go to resorts. We love, there's just something that like we, we just enjoy being served. Jesus didn't come to be served, but the Bible says that he came to serve. It was the ultimate in status reversal as he left the privileges of heaven, came to this earth, and made himself nothing. But even beyond that, he goes from the earth to the cross. This is the message of the gospel. It's our hope today. That being found in appearance as a man, the Bible says he humbled himself by becoming obedient even to death on a cross. So he leaves the divine privilege, the honor of heaven. He comes to this earth, humbles himself as a bondservant, as a slave. And then he takes the step where he literally sacrifices and gives up absolutely everything, dies on a cross for one reason. You. You did it for me. That's what motivated him. What's with him? The Bible says in the book of Romans, chapter 3, that all of us, you and me included, all of us have sinned. We've fallen short of the glory of God, that the wages or the, the payment for sin, the Bible says, in our lives is death. But God demonstrates, it's the, the verb, God demonstrates his love for you. That while we were yet sinners, he took the first step. While we were yet sinners, Jesus left heaven, came to this earth, went from this earth to the cross for you and for me. That anybody, whoever in Romans 10, 13, anybody, doesn't matter what you've done, that will call in the name of the Lord, the Bible says, will be saved. All of us got into our own choices. We suffered with the consequences of sin in our life that has 
produce things like hurt, depression, anxiety, fear, disappointment, broken relationships, frustration. We try to be our own God. We try at times to, to run our lives and to not surrender our lives to Christ. And the Bible says that that lifestyle demands payment. And that payment is, is eternal death. But Jesus came. Only God could have sent a perfect person that would be able to be the cure or the answer or the hope for humanity. And that Jesus came. The great paradox is that he won by losing. He gave everything so that you and I can receive that in which he has to offer. It's not how we would have done it. I mean, if I was writing this story, Jesus would have came. He would have personally defeated the Roman Empire. He would have set up shop here on this earth. He would have controlled everything. He would have been in charge. People would have looked to him as a leader. I said last week that many of the people that were waving the palm branches were the same arms that were shouting crucify him. I would have had him come as a ruler. But isn't it true that a lot of times as we pray, we say, God, you know, I want you to do it one of three ways, A, B, or C, and he picks F or, or D or, or W. I mean... He just never does it my way. Because it's not supposed to be that way. But I've written a story completely different. He would have came from heaven to this earth, but the cross, oh man. He, didn't, he wasn't mischievous, but he, you and I just don't get it at times. To be honest with you, it's challenging for me to watch something like AD on TV tonight. And to see Jesus suffering and being beaten beyond recognition and he's being nailed to a cross because all of us want to be in a position of strength and to see Jesus suffering and dying for you and for me it's a tough thing for me to watch on on TV and to, and to read in the Bible because verse 8 says that he became obedient to death he became obedient to death but he allowed himself to be at the mercy of something that he had complete power over See, I believe that the true measure of a man's strength is in his ability to walk in complete and total surrender. That the true measure of a man, child, woman's strength is in their ability to walk in complete surrender. Some of you guys grew up in a home where your parents taught you that you don't, you don't need to depend on anybody. You don't need to have Someone other than you running the show of your life. You, you've got to make something out of yourself. you got it all together. You, you, you can't depend on anybody. I would say to you, Jesus looked, never looked more masculine than he was suffering. He was dying on our behalf because he had complete and total power and control over it. That the true measure of a man's strength is in his ability to walk and to sur and surrender. Jesus surrendered his agenda for the fathers, even in the Garden of Gethsemane, the, the hour is drawing near to this horrific death. He's saying, God, not my will, but your will be done. He lived a perfect life. The Bible says that he who was without sin became sin for us so that you and I can become the righteousness of, of God. His God's plan cost Jesus big time. But he was more than willing for you and for me to leave heaven, come to this earth, come from this earth to the cross for your sake and for my sake Well, as well. The gospel will always cost you and I something. 
The Apostle Paul is writing this letter and he's in prison. He's suffering. He understood what it was like to follow Jesus and for the gospel to cost him something. For you and for me to believe that it's more than just a nice story or a tradition that's been passed on over the years. For you really to align your life as a true Christian with God's word, it will cost you something in our society today and especially moving ahead. Martin Luther, the great reformer, he said a religion that gives nothing, costs nothing, suffers nothing, is worth nothing. The gospel demands that you and I surrender our total lives, complete control over to the Lord. But you've got to believe that, you know, he has a much better way of running our lives than we can ever. I'll tell you, every time the Lord challenges me to give something up, to do something that seems risky, to do something that seems challenging, he always comes through time and time again. Many of you know this to be true. In your life as well. But it was so much more. Than him leaving heaven. Coming to this earth. Suffering this horrific death on the cross. It's not the end of the story. Because today we celebrate resurrection day. That Jesus didn't stay on the cross. His body didn't remain in the grave. But the Bible declares that three days later. He rose from the dead. And we celebrate that today. We see in the book of Philippians chapter 2, that therefore God exalted him to the highest place. He gave them the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father, that Jesus passed from mortality to immortality, that being raised from the dead, he will never die again, that death no longer has dominion or power or control over him. Romans 6, 9 says, For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, we can, he cannot die again because death no longer has mastery over him. That he took the ultimate venture, paid the ultimate price, took the ultimate risk as he threw himself into the game. He strapped on human flesh. He suffered. He went through trials and, and temptations and, and the terrors of this world. So that you and I wouldn't have to experience those things. Someone once said that the resurrection of Jesus is in essence, it's his autograph of authenticity. Tim Keller in his book, The Reasons for God, Belief in an Age of Skepticism, says this. If Jesus rose from the dead, then you must accept all that he said. But if he didn't rise from the dead, then why worry about anything he ever said? The issue for our lives isn't whether or not we like his teaching. It hangs on whether or not he rose from the dead. It hangs and hinges on whether or not he rose from the dead. And yet we see as he leaves heaven, comes to this earth, goes from the earth to the cross, that he humbles himself and the Bible says that whoever humbles himself will be exalted. We see this in the life of Jesus. And this text says that every knee will bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. Make no mistake about it. Every knee in this room at some point will bow. Every tongue, every mouth that's in this room at some point will confess that Jesus is Lord. But it's your choice what side of eternity that takes place. 
Whether or not that's here on this earth where you voluntarily say, God, I surrender my life to you. I believe that you came to this earth. I believe that what you did on the cross was for me. I believe that you rose from the dead and that you are my only hope. You bow your knee. You pray. You confess and you acknowledge that you need Jesus. And believe that he has good and great things in store for you. Or there are many that will slip from this life into eternity that don't know the Lord. And they find themselves in a place where they're involuntarily bowing their knee. They're confessing with their mouth that Jesus is Lord. There's no agnostics. There's no atheists in hell. Trust me, they know that Jesus is Lord. And you and I as believers, we have the gospel. We have the good news that Jesus loves, cares, and died for people in our city. And that our mission as Acts Just Church is to share the gospel, that he is their one and only hope. And we desire that they come to know Jesus as well. That they, they know that he's Lord. And I believe that he's going to use us to make an incredible difference in our city and in our region. C.S. Lewis, the great author, says that everybody's going to make a decision about Jesus. But he's one of a couple of things. First of all, that he's a legend. There are people that believe that he's just a legend, but I'd say to you that there's a lot of historical and archaeological evidence to support otherwise in his existence. The Bible has astounding track record when it comes to historical reliability. The modern science of archaeology has confirmed so many things in God's word if you study it. A world-renowned scholar says it this way, Gleason Archer. He says, I have, as I have dealt with one apparent discrepancy after another and have studied the alleged contradictions between the biblical record and the ex evidence of linguistics, archaeology, and science. He said, my confidence in the trustworthiness of scripture has been repeatedly verified and strengthened by the discovery that almost every problem in scripture that has ever been discovered by man from ancient times till now has been dealt with in a completely satisfactory manner by the by, by biblical text itself or else by objective archaeological information. But nevertheless, there are people that will walk away and say that he's just a legend. The second response to Jesus that people will make is that he's a lunatic. I mean, that he's just crazy, he's delusional, that he really believed everything that he said he believed. And then I'd say, read the Bible. I mean... As I read what Jesus says, the profound things that come from his mouth, I just don't see a madman. I don't see someone that's, that's absolutely crazy, but there are people that will say he's a lunatic. There are others that will just say he's a liar. And this argument to me is tough because, gosh, if he's a liar. One of the promo pictures for the movie AD, it says one man, 12 followers, 12 disciples. 2.5 billion followers. That he's a liar, really? That his, the 12 disciples that saw the resurrected Christ 
that they literally suffered, had boiling oil poured on them. They were crucified upside down. They were beheaded. They were beaten. That they suffered for the reality that they saw the risen Christ. So here we are 2,000 years later, and we see the horrific events that are taking place in our world today. People that are suffering prison for the sake of the gospel. They're paying with it, with their very own lives, like we see the horrific tragedy in Africa this week. Also a lie, really? Legend, lunatic, liar, or that he's Lord. That Jesus really is absolutely everything that he says that he is. That he has the ability to do everything that he says in his word that he can do. John 14, 16, he declares, he makes the outrageous claim. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. John 11, 25, I am the resurrection and the life, the one that believes in me will live even though they die and whoever lives by believing in me will never die that he's lord and that if he's lord our response is we we offer him absolutely everything we give him our lives as you look at jesus he had no servants but they looked to him and they called him master he never walked around carrying medicine. He was never referring people to the, to the doctor. I mean, he had a doctor and his disciples, but he never, because he was a healer. That he was, he was Lord of all. He had no degree, but he was a teacher. He had no army or bodyguard that surrounded him, yet kings feared Jesus. He, he had won no military battles, yet conquered the world, committed absolutely no crime. They killed him on a cross. Put him in a tomb, but the Bible says that he rose from that grave and he's alive today. The resurrection story should never be written in the past tense. It's for you and I for today. For you and I for tomorrow. C.H. McIntosh says there's power in the presence of a risen Savior as the worship team begins to come. There's power in the presence of a risen Savior to solve our difficulties, remove our perplexities, calm our fear, ease our burdens, dry our tears, meet our every need, tranquilize our minds, and satisfy the cravings of our heart. That the gospel, the good news that Jesus went from heaven, came to this earth, went from this earth to the cross, went from the grave to heaven, and the Bible says that he will return for us, and that he has good things in store for us. But it's not just the story that's written on this in the, in, in the Bible. The Bible says and describes him as the author and the finisher of our faith as well. That for each person that's here in this room, that God's writing a story about your life. That for every college student that here in our community, every international student that's come to State College from around the world, people that are in nursing homes in our city, that the Lord is still writing their story. We know as we read books that 
There's a lot of drama in stories, isn't there? We see that in the life of Jesus. But the story of our lives is never complete until you and I make the decision to follow him. But that's a decision that you make. I, I can't make that for you. You're, you're a teenager. Your parent can't make that decision for you. That's the decision that you make. Whether or not he's a legend. That he's a lunatic. That he's a complete and total liar. Or you just say, Jesus, you... You really are who you said that you are. And if that's true, then you're the door to eternal life. That you're the way, the Bible says, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. I love that the Bible says that he's a father because at the end of the day, working with students over the years, fathers care so much for their kids. You can see dads that are kind of deadbeat dads. They don't just kind of sit around, don't do a whole lot. But at the end of the day, they care about their kids. And that as God is our perfect father, perfect example, he has good things in store for us as his children. And here we are today celebrating that he is risen from the grave. The Bible says that he holds the keys of death, hell and the grave. He's done it all for us. Would you stand today?